Chapter 23, verses 1 through 12 of Catina Aurea, Commentary on the Four Gospels, collected out of the works of the Fathers by St. Thomas Aquinas. The LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 23, verse 1 through 4. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with the one of their fingers. Pseudo Chrysostom. When the Lord had overthrown the priests by his answer, and shown their condition to be irremediable, forasmuch as clergy, when they do wickedly, cannot be amended, but laymen who have gone wrong are easily set right. He turns his discourse to his apostles and the people, for that is an unprofitable word which silences one, without conveying improvement to another. Origen. The disciples of Christ are better than the common herd, and you may find in the church such as, with more ardent affection, come to the word of God. These are Christ's disciples. The rest are only his people. And sometimes he speaks to his disciples alone, sometimes to the multitudes, and his disciples together, as here. The scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, as professing his law, and boasting that they can interpret it. Those that do not depart from the letter of the law are the scribes, those who make high professions and separate themselves from the vulgar as better than they are called Pharisees, which signifies separate. Those who understand and expound Moses according to his spiritual meaning, these sit indeed on Moses' seat, but neither scribes nor Pharisees, but better than either, Christ's beloved disciples. Since his coming, these have sat upon the seat of the church, which is the seat of Christ. Pseudo Chrysostom, but regard must be had to this, after what sort each man fills his seat. For not the seat makes the priest, but the priest the seat. The place does not consecrate the man, but the man the place. A wicked priest derives guilt and not honor from his priesthood. Chrysostom, but that none should say, for this cause am I slack to practice, because my instructor is evil. He removes every such plea, saying, all therefore whatsoever they say unto you, that observe and do. For they speak not their own, but God's, which things he taught through Moses in the law. And look with how great honor he speaks of Moses, showing again what harmony there is with the Old Testament. Origin. But if the scribes and Pharisees who sit in Moses' seat are the teachers of the Jews, teaching the commandments of the law according to the letter, how is it this that the Lord bids us do after all things which they say? But the apostles and the Acts forbid the believers to do according to the letter of the law. These indeed taught after the letter, not understanding the law spiritually. Whatsoever they say to us out of the law, with understanding of its sense, that we do and keep, not doing after their works. For they do not what the law enjoins nor perceive the veil that it is upon the letter of the law. For by all we are not to understand everything in the law, many things, for example, relating to the sacrifices and the like, but such as concern our conduct. But why did he command this not of the law of grace, but of the doctrine of Moses? 
because truly it was not the time to publish the commandments of the new law before the season of his passion, I think also that he had herein something further in view. He was about to bring many things against the scribes and Pharisees in his discourse following, wherefore that vain men might not think that he coveted their place of authority or spoke thus out of enmity to them, he first puts away from himself this suspicion and then begins to reprove them that the people might not fall into their faults and that because they ought to hear them they should not think that therefore they ought to imitate them in their works he adds but do ye not after their works what can be more pitiable than such a teacher whose life to imitate is ruin to refuse to follow is salvation for his disciples pseudochrysostom but as gold is picked out of dross and the dross is left so hearers may take doctrine and leave practice for good doctrine often comes from an evil man but as priests judge it better to teach the bad for the sake of the good rather than to neglect the good for the sake of the bad so also let those who are set under them pay respect to the bad priests for the sake of the good that the good may not be despised because of the bad for it is better to give the bad what is not their due, rather than to defraud the good of what is justly theirs. Chrysostom. Look with what he begins his reproof of them, for they say and do not. Everyone who transgresses the law is deserving of blame, but especially he who has the post of instruction, and this for a threefold cause. First, because he is a transgressor. Secondly, because when he ought to set others aright, he himself halts. Thirdly, because being in the rank of a teacher, his influence is more corrupting. Again, he brings a further charge against them, that they oppress those that are put under them. They bind up heavy burdens. In this he shows a double evil in them, that they exacted without any allowance the utmost rigor of life from those that were put under them. While they allowed themselves large license herein, but a good ruler should do the contrary of this, to be to himself a severe judge, to others a merciful one. Observe in what forcible words he utters his reproof. He says not they cannot, but they will not. And not lift them, but touch them with one of their fingers. Pseudochrysostom, and to the scribes and Pharisees of whom he is now speaking, heavy burdens not to be borne are the commandments of the law, as St. Peter speaks in the Acts. Why seek ye to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither we nor our fathers were able to bear. For commending the burdens of the law by fabulous proofs, they bound, as it were, the shoulders of the heart of their hearers with bands, and thus tied as though with proof of reason to them, they might not fling them off, but themselves did not in the last measure fulfill them. That is, not only did not wholly, but did not so much as attempt to. Gloss or bind burdens, that is, gather traditions from all sides, not to aid, but to burden the conscience, to roam. But all these things, the shoulders, the finger, the burdens, and the bands with which they bind the burdens, have a spiritual meaning. Herein also the Lord speaks generally against all the masters who enjoin high things, but do not even little things. Pseudochrysostom. Such also are they who lay a heavy burden upon those who come to penitence so that while men would avoid present punishment, they overlook that which is to come. But if you lay upon a boy's shoulders a burden more than he can bear, 
he must needs either cast it off or be broken down by it. So the man on whom you lay too grievous a burden of penance must either wholly refuse it, or if he submit himself to it, will find himself unable to bear it, and so be offended, and sin worse. Also, if we should be wrong in imposing too light a penance, it is not better to have to answer for mercy than for severity. Where the master of the household is liberal, the steward should not be oppressive. If God be kind, should his priest be harsh? Do you seek thereby the character of sanctity? Be strict in ordering your own life, and that of others lenient. Let men hear of you as enjoining little and performing much. The priest who gives license to himself and exacts the utmost from others is like a corrupt tax-gatherer in the state, who to ease himself taxes others heavily. Verses 5-12 through 12. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments, and love the utmost rooms at feasts, and the chief seats in the synagogues, and greetings in the markets, and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But be not ye called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Chrysostom the Lord had charged the scribes and Pharisees with harshness and neglect. He now brings forward their vainglory, which made them depart from God. Pseudo-Chrysostom. Every substance breeds in itself that which destroys it, as wood the worm, the garments the moth. So the devil strives to corrupt the ministry of the priests, who are ordained for the edification of holiness, endeavoring that this good, while it is done to be seen of men, should be turned into evil. Take away this fault from the clergy, and you will have no further labor in their reform. For of this it comes that a clergyman who has sinned can hardly perform penance. Also the Lord here points out the cause why they could not believe in Christ, because nearly all they did was in order to be seen of men. For he whose desire is for earthly glory for men cannot believe on Christ who preaches things heavenly. I have read one who interprets this place thus, in Moses' seat, that is, in the rank and degree instituted by Moses, the scribes and the Pharisees are seated unworthily, forasmuch as they preached to others the law which foretold Christ's coming, but themselves did not receive him when come. For this cause he exhorts the people to hear the law which they preached, that is, to believe in Christ who was preached by the law, but not to follow the scribes and Pharisees in their disbelief of him. And he shows the reason why they preached the coming of Christ out of the law, yet did not believe on him, namely because they did not preach that Christ should come through any desire of his coming, but that they might be seen by men to be doctors of the law. Origin. And their works likewise they do to be seen of men, using outward circumcision, taking away actual leaven out of their houses, and doing such like things. But Christ's disciples fulfill the law in doing things in secret being Jews inwardly as the Apostle speaks. Chrysostom, note the intensive force of the words of his reproofs. He says not merely that they do their works to be seen of men, but added all their works. And not only in great things, but in some things trivial, they were vainglorious. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. 
Jerome. For the Lord, when he had given the commandments of the law through Moses, added at the end, And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be ever before thine eyes. The meaning of which is, Let my precepts be in thine hand, so as to be fulfilled in thy works. Let them be before thine eyes, so as that thou shalt meditate upon them day and night. This the Pharisees misinterpreting wrote on parchments the Decalogue of Moses, that is the Ten Commandments, and folding them up tied them on their forehead, so making them a crown for their head, that they should be always before their eyes. Moses had in another place given command that they should make fringes of blue in the borders of their garments to distinguish the people of Israel, that as in their bodies circumcision, so in their garments the fringe might discriminate the Jewish nation. But these superstitious teachers, catching at popular favor and making gain of silly women, made broad hems and fastened them with sharp pins, that as they walked or sat they might be pricked, and by such monitors be recalled to the duties of God's ministry. This embroidery, then, of the Decalogue, they called phylacteries, that is, conservatories, because those who wore them wore them for their own protection and security. So little did the Pharisees understand that they were to be worn on the heart and not on the body, for in equal degree may cases and chests be said to have books, which assuredly have not the knowledge of God. Pseudo-Chrysostom. But after their example, do many invent Hebrew names of angels, and write them and bind them on themselves, and these seem dreadful to such as are without understanding. Others, again, wear round their neck a portion of the gospel written out. But is not the gospel read every day in the church and heard by all? Those, therefore, who receive no profit from the gospel sounded in their ears, how shall the having them hung about their neck save them? Further, wherein is the virtue of the gospel? in the shape of its letters, or in the understanding its meaning. If in the characters you do well to hang them round your neck, if in their meaning they are of more profit when laid up in the heart than hung round the neck. But others explain this place thus, that they made broad their teachings concerning special observances, as phylacteries or preservations of salvation, preaching them continually to the people, and the broad fringes of their garments they explain of the same under undue stress upon such commands. Jerome. Seeing they thus made broad their phylacteries and made them broad fringes, desiring to have glory of men, they are so convicted also in other things, for they love the utmost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues. Rabanus. It should be noted that he does not forbid those to whom this belongs by right of rank to be saluted in the forum, or to sit or recline in the highest room. But those who unduly desire these things, whether they obtain them or not, these he enjoins the believers to shun as wicked. Pseudo-Chrysostom. For he rebukes not those who recline in the highest place, but those who love such places, blaming the will, not the deed. For to no purpose does he humble himself in place who exalts himself in heart. For some vain men, hearing that it was a commendable thing to seat himself in the lowest place, chooses so to do, and thus not only does not put away the vanity of his heart, but adds this additional vain ostentation of his humility, as one who would be thought righteous and humble. For many proud men take the lowest place in their bodies, 
but in haughtiness of heart think themselves to be seated among the highest. And there are many humble men who, placed among the highest, are inwardly in their own esteem among the lowest. Chrysostom. Observe where vainglory governed them, to wit, in the synagogues, whither they entered to guide others. It had been tolerable to have felt thus at feasts, notwithstanding that a doctor ought to be had in honor in all places alike, and not in the churches only. But, if it be blameworthy to love such things, how wrong is it to seek to attain them? Pseudo-Chrysostom. They love the first salutations, first, that is, not in time, only before others, but in tone, that we should say with a loud voice, Hail, Rabbi, and in body that we should bow low our head, and in place that the salutation should be public. Rabbanus, and herein they are not without fault, that the same men should be concerned in the litigations of the forum, who in the synagogue in Moses' seat seek to be called rabbi by men, pseudo-chrysostom, that is, they wish to be called, not to be such, they desire the name and neglect the duties. Origin, and in the church of Christ are found some who take to themselves the utmost places, that is, become deacons, Next they aspire to the chief seats of those that are called presbyters, and some intrigue to be styled among men bishop, that is, to be called rabbi. But Christ's disciple loves the utmost place indeed, but at the spiritual banquet where he may feed on the choicer morsels of spiritual food. For with the apostles who sit upon twelve thrones, he loves the chief seats, and hastes by his good works to render himself worthy of such seats. And he also loves salutations made in the heavenly marketplace, that is, in the heavenly congregation of the primitive. But the righteous man would be called rabbi, neither by man nor by any other, because there is one master of all men, Chrysostom, or otherwise, if the foregoing things with which he had charged the Pharisees, he now passes over many as of no weight, and such as his disciples needed not to be instructed in but that which was the cause of all evils, namely ambition of the master's seat, that he insists upon to instruct his disciples. Pseudo-Chrysostom, Be not ye called rabbi, that ye take not to yourselves what belongs to God, and call not others rabbi, that ye pay not to men a divine honor. For one is the master of all, who instructs all men by nature. For if man were taught by man, all men would learn that have teachers. But seeing it is not man that teaches, but God, many are taught, but few learn. Man cannot by teaching impart an understanding to man, but that understanding which is given by God, man calls forth by schooling. Hilary. And that the disciples may ever remember that they are the children of one parent, and that by their new birth they have passed the limits of their earthly origin. Jerome. All men may be called brethren in affection, which is of two kinds, general and particular, particular by which all Christians are brethren, general by which all men, being born of one father, are bound together by like tie of kindred. Pseudo-Chrysostom, and call no man your father upon earth, because in this world, though man begets man, there is one father who created all men. For we have not beginning of life from our parents, but we have our life transmitted through them. Origin. But who calls no man father upon earth? He who in every action done, as before God, says, Our Father, which art in heaven. Gloss. 
because it was clear who was the father of all by this which was said which art in heaven he would teach them who was the master of all and therefore repeats the same command concerning a master neither be ye called masters for one is your master even christ chrysostom not that when christ is here said to be our master the father is excluded as neither when god is said to be our father is christ excluded who is the father of men jerome it is a difficulty that the apostle against this command calls himself the teacher of the gentiles and that in the monasteries in their common conversation they call one another father it is to be cleared thus it is one thing to be father or master by nature another by sufferance thus when we call any man our father we do it to show respect to his age not as regarding him as the author of our being we also call men master from resemblance to a real master and not to use tedious repetition as the one god and one son who are by nature do not preclude us from calling others god and sons by adoption so the one father and one master do not preclude us from speaking of other fathers and masters by an abuse of the terms chrysostom not only does the lord forbid us to seek supremacy but would lead his hearer to the very opposite he that is greatest among you shall be your servant origin or otherwise and if one minister the divine word knowing that it is christ that makes it to be fruitful such a one professes himself a minister and not a master whence it follows he that is greatest among you let him be your servant as christ himself who was in truth our master professed himself a minister saying i am in the midst of you as one that ministers and well does he conclude this prohibition of all vainglory with the words and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted rigmigius which means that every one who thinks highly of his own deserts shall be humbled before god and every one who humbles himself concerning his good deeds shall be exalted with god end of chapter twenty three verses one through twelve